You are listening to the Solid-ish Marriage Podcast. Normally, it's Scott and Betsy Neismer that are your hosts, but today is episode number three of our little mini-series here. And so episode number one, we were talking about attachment, which as a review, that, that base longing, that base need that all of us have to be connected, to matter to someone out there. And so when we do the work of sitting with each other's hearts, we don't really have to do a bunch of skills or be a bigger, faster, stronger, smarter person in order to have a really good relationship, right? All we need is to be present because that's ultimately all we actually need. So then we did episode number two, which was pursuer withdrawer. And quick review there, uh, withdrawer is that, uh, that core belief that I am not enough. It's easy to miss the distress because the withdrawer kind of shuts down or moves away. You know, we used the metaphor last time of these grenades. Right? Like if I accidentally toss a grenade in your direction, the further away I am from you, all of a sudden becomes a really smart move to make. Because right, if I toss a grenade towards you and I'm far away, then you're not going to get hurt as bad. So I want to protect our bond by moving away. But then on the pursuer side, those core beliefs of, okay, well, am I too much for you? I need to know that I matter. I need to feel connected. And so as I move towards you, do I witness myself as scaring you? Do, as I move towards you and share my heart, do I see myself crushing you? Right? And if that's the case, I start to actually think that, oh, geez, maybe I'm actually too much. And that's going to really hurt inside. And so the pursuer is protecting that bond by moving toward and trying to remain connected. Now, today we get to talk about the cycle that starts as a result of that pursuer withdrawer dynamic so in your mind i want you to picture a bow tie by the way the emotionally focused therapy or eft bow tie was created by debbie and i hope i'm going to pronounce her last name right so it's it's debbie schimeka Diaz. And Debbie, if I just mispronounce your last name, I'm so sorry. Um, but she is the one that created this uh, bow tie. And that's what I'm going to describe to you. So picture in your mind, a bow tie. Now, right in the middle of that bow tie, going from left to right, I want you to picture a dotted line. And that dotted line is separating the inside from the outside. So above that dotted line is what we show on the outside, what we can see, right? If, if, if I were a fly on the wall, the stuff that I can see there, that's going to be what's on the outside. And then below the dotted line is stuff that's in the vulnerable inside. Core beliefs about myself, old childhood wounds, raw spots, that's kind of the stuff that's, that's down there beneath the dotted line. Now, if we separate the bow tie out from left to right each spouse is going to have their side of this, right? And if we say pursuer withdrawer, right? So, you know, maybe the pursuer you can imagine is on the left and the withdrawer maybe is on the right. Now, the cycle or the bow tie gets started really from almost anything. And, and one of the things that I tell my clients all the time is that uh, the cycle will get started, I mean, certainly by something negative, but very often, I'd say even most often, the cycle will get started by something that's either neutral or even positive. Like I remember one example um, a 
couple was sitting in my office and they were describing the cycle and, and we traced back the cycle to where it first got rolling. And uh, it first got rolling because the husband was trying to be curious about his wife's experience. He was being kind and loving and engaged right? and, and that ended up starting the cycle for them. Okay, I want you to imagine, all right, we're starting from the top corner of this little bow tie, right? So we'll say that, that we may, maybe we start with the husband. Well, actually, let's, let's go back to the favorite example of, of forgetting to take out the garbage. Early in our marriage, here's what started the cycle all the time for us. I forget to take out the garbage, right? So technically, that's where the cycle would be starting is, uh, you know, when, when I or when Betsy notices that, yep, once again, Scott forgot to take out the garbage. Now, with this bow tie, you trace that down and across to Betsy's vulnerable inside. If you tuned into uh, the last episode, or it might have been the... Uh, episode number one of this series where I was talking about this, you know, I kind of gave a little sneak peek of what was happening down in that vulnerable inside for Betsy. So when, when she sees me, right, when she looks over at my side of the cycle and on the outside, she sees, oh, he didn't take out the garbage. Where she got hit in that vulnerable inside was, okay, if I can't rely on him to take out the garbage, right, this, this minor thing, if he can't be present and reliable and safe in that, well, then what's to say that he's going to be present, reliable, and safe in the stuff that really, really matters, right? Like, you know, at the time we didn't have any kids. So she's thinking, okay, if we have a kid someday, is he going to forget to feed the kid? Is he going to forget to, to pick him up from school? Right? Like if, if I am in dire need of something, is he going to forget that, right? And especially if my heart is hurting inside, is he going to show up for me? That was a very scary and painful place for her, this this thought that, okay, she can't rely on her person to be there. She can't rely on her person to see her heart and have that matter to him enough to actually show up. So understandably, that's an enormous amount of pain for her. Now I want you to imagine just going straight up that side of the cycle on Betsy's side, right? Straight up that edge of the bow tie. And this, this transition from inside to outside, that's what we call going through your protection. Betsy's experiencing these very raw, very vulnerable feelings on the inside, but when she transfers kind of through her protection, what she ends up showing on the outside above the dotted line is anger, aggression, cutting words, like seriously, it's the garbage, what's wrong with you? Why can't you remember this? Like it, it shouldn't be this big of a deal. Now, here we are on Betsy's side of the cycle. Now, on my side of the cycle, I don't get to see her vulnerable inside. All I'm seeing is the observable stuff on the outside. Now you trace the bow tie from Betsy's top corner down over to my side of the cycle on the vulnerable inside. How is Betsy's behavior landing for me in my heart? Well, I mean, I'm already embarrassed about the fact that I forgot to take out the garbage for the 18 millionth time, let alone all the other mistakes that I've made in my life, right? Like shame is a very, very familiar place for me. And now her behavior is totally landing on that shame grid for me, right? It's triggering that shame storm inside of myself. Like, oh my gosh, I am terrible. It, what is wrong with me? There must be something wrong with me. Ah, awful, awful, awful feelings and terrified that I'm never going to be good enough that's what's happening inside of my vulnerable inside. 
So now when I transition from inside to outside, that means that I go through my protection up my side of the bow tie. And what do I end up showing her? First, I would kind of try to argue, either explain the situation away, or I'm going to try and say, you know, some sort of a message that, uh, you know, this isn't that big of a deal. It's just the garbage. That's what I'm showing on my side of the cycle. So then you trace, right? You follow the bow tie again down to Betsy's vulnerable inside. How is that going to land for her? Well, how did the cycle start for her in the first place? Well, she, she was feeling me as, as non-present, non-reliable, that I wasn't willing to engage with the basic stuff. And so she was terrified that I wouldn't be willing to engage with the bigger stuff. Well, she tried to let me know through her protection, granted, right? But the longing underneath is trying to let me know about that pain, how scary that is for her. And what does she see in response to that? me minimizing it, me explaining it away. So understandably, she's going to be amped up that much more in the exact same raw spot. Before it was the, I'm afraid that he's not going to show up for me. Now it's turned into, he's actually not showing up for me, right? My nightmare is coming true. So more pain on the inside means I need more protection. The outside behavior is going to get amped up as well. So before, maybe she was showing just maybe mild irritation. Now it's going to be full-out anger and aggression. Or if it was anger and aggression before, now it's going to be screaming. And so ultimately, what was I trying to do before? I was trying to be free of my shame. I was trying to get that pain to go away from me. But what am I seeing her show me? More shaming stuff, right? Like, not only did my attempt not work, but now she's screaming at me. So deep down, it's just amplifying that much more my core belief of, oh yeah, I, before I was terrified that I deserve this, this shameful, painful space. I was terrified that I might actually be that bad and that broken. But now her screaming at me is just confirmation. Like, oh yeah, this is, how, this is apparently how I deserve to be treated. Me and my brokenness, me and my being so utterly worthless deserves to be screamed at oh my gosh, the pain is so much worse. So I have to use more protection, right? So now this time, maybe I don't have enough gas in the tank to try and push back or explain anything. And so now my withdrawal gets a little bit more evident, right? And I shut down and I just walk out of the room and I say, well, apparently nothing I can do is ever going to be enough for you, right? And I just storm out of the room. And you can see how the cycle doesn't even get to stop there because that's going to be even more so on Betsy's side of the cycle, landing in that ab abandonment, I don't matter space, right? He's not going to show up for me. So then the cycle absolutely has room to continue even from there. That is hopefully a little snapshot of how the cycle works for you. Hopefully that's making sense uh, over the audio waves here without actually seeing it in front of your face. Now, I want to talk a little bit about exiting the cycle. So when it comes to exiting the cycle, first and foremost, what you need to know is we do not get to avoid entering the cycle in the first place. Now, there's, there's lots of other uh, modalities of couples counseling and, and frankly, just therapy in general uh, that ends up sending that accidental message of, hey, you know, if you do the skills right, or if you have the right skills, or if you just have the right perspective, right? Or if, if, you, if you're thinking the right way, then you'll be able to avoid the conflict in the first place. Frankly, that's, that's never been true, right? That's never been our experience. 
And that's why the world of emotionally focused therapy is our favorite place to be is because it says, look, we're not asking you to be superhuman or non-human by never struggling, never getting into the cycle. The cycle is going to happen, especially when the cycle can start even with positive stuff, right? So we're going to get into the cycle. We're going to be triggering each other's raw spots. What matters is what we do from there. So if Betsy does something that triggers my shame raw spot, this is the first opportunity for me and for us to exit the cycle. Now, if, if you keep picturing that bow tie in your mind, that deep vulnerable inside, right? So on, on Betsy's side of the cycle, up top, she shows me something. We trace that diagonal line down to my side of the cycle underneath. Exiting the cycle, instead of turning upward, I will turn back toward her while I'm still down in that vulnerable space. So practically what that might sound like is, okay, you know, let's say Betsy's uh, frustrated about me uh, forgetting to take out the garbage. Boom, I get slammed in that shame space. Instead of explaining it away, because that would continue the cycle, instead I would turn toward her and let her know what's happening in that vulnerable spot for me. So that would sound like, oh man, yeah, I, I am feeling really, really embarrassed that I forgot to take out the garbage again. That's, oh, that's just killing me. Like I'm, I'm feeling broken right now. Like I, I feel awful that I, that I did that to you because I know that's really triggering for you. Like, oh man, this, this is really stirring me up right now. This is a hard moment. And so anything like that, that's, that's what it looks like or sounds like to turn toward our spouse. In the ideal I turn towards her and then hopefully Betsy's not blocked by her frustration with the garbage, right? Hopefully that she, she is able to recognize, oh, he's going vulnerable and he's sharing with me from that area. Then I get to meet him in that vulnerable space. Instead of getting stuck in the garbage, I get to see Scott's heart of like, oh yeah, he really does feel bad about this. This matters to him, right? And him having a bad impact on me matters to him. So, okay, right? Let me... Let me sit with him. Empathy can be pretty natural at that point. That's what it would look like if we are getting out of the cycle immediately. I get triggered. I do vulnerable shame. Uh, <laughs> vulnerable shame. That's funny. Um, vulnerable sharing. And then Betsy meets me in that vulnerable space. Now, usually it doesn't work out quite so clean. Um, usually it's going to be maybe we do a couple of spins through the cycle and then... I will not do the protection, but instead turn toward her with my vulnerable. Or maybe it's on Betsy's side, right? We go through the cycle a little bit and then Betsy, instead of going through her protection, she turns towards me and shares the vulnerable. And what that might sound like is, okay, you know, maybe I do the, the minimizing explanation move. And in response to that, Betsy turns to me and says, hey, honestly, it's not even about the garbage. What's really going down in there is I'm just terrified that you're not gonna be there for me. And even deeper than that is I'm terrified that I've kind of pushed you away from me, right? That, that you're, I've, I've taught you to be scared of me because I am so scary to you, right? And so that when I do need you, you're not gonna be there because you're so scared of me, right? I'm, I'm terrified that I've done that to you. That's what's so hard about this moment for me. Again, ideally, I would see her in that space and meet her in that vulnerable space 
with understanding. Yeah, that makes sense to me that, you know, it's really not about the garbage. It's about this. And you're so scared that you've pushed me away. And, you know, when you really need me, you're going to be alone instead. And that makes sense to me, right? And then the empathy is going to naturally flow from there. Now, ultimately, this is me kind of presenting, okay, if we can slow down the cycle enough and do those vulnerable moves, then we can exit the cycle. There's this other element to exiting the cycle that kind of interrupts it, and that's in the EFT world, we call it blocks. That either I will be blocked, if I'm trying to make the vulnerability move, and share what's going on down there for me. Maybe I'm blocked in that I can only go part of the way down, but not all the way down into what it's really about. So then what I end up showing or, or sharing with Betsy is only part of the story, right? So she's only partly able to show up for me and we're not gonna get great repair out of that. Or maybe, maybe I'm totally not blocked on my side. I can share vulnerably with Betsy, but then Betsy is blocked on her side, right? Like maybe she is still wrapped around the axle of the garbage itself. So then she's not going to be able to get to that place where I make sense to her. And as a result, it's basically going to be impossible for her to have any empathy towards what I'm going through in that moment, right? And so then she's not going to feel very safe and then we don't have repair. So that's, that's just a quick little snapshot of what blocks uh, look like in action. And we don't have enough time in this episode to go over, okay, now when a block happens, what do we do? But just suffice it to say that when you guys turn toward each other and you risk sharing vulnerably what's really, really down in there for you, the deeper that you can go, the less likely you are to run into a block. Now, it doesn't guarantee that there aren't going to be any blocks down there, but it's less likely that you're going to run into a block. And so if you feel yourself blocked, if you feel your spouse is blocked, what that likely means is we're just not deep enough yet. Once we do get deep enough, then we unlock the magic. You're going to see me. It's going to make sense to you. Once it makes sense to you, empathy flows naturally. You're going to show me that empathy, which offers me relief and comfort and repair. You're going to see me be comforted and repaired by your presence. And so then you get to feel really effective and, and powerful in the relationship. And that's really, really good repair. So I hope you guys can take this and run with it. Uh, please email me or, or, or contact us any way that you can with questions or feedback about this. Uh, my email is scott at hopetherapy.info. Would love to hear you. Uh, would love to answer any questions that you might have because we want this to be useful. Until next time, take care of yourself. <laughs> <laughs>